Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Steve and Melissa Behrens about making disciples in the Australian Outback. The pastor suggested that we actually go out and do a church plant um, with another couple um, as the youth pastors during um, for this church plant without any people um, that were a part of the church. So we went out cold and uh, went around to the skate parks and all over the place trying to find uh, people who were lost or in the harvest. And we just we just gathered people and, and just shared God's love with these broken people um, and saw an amazing amount of people getting baptised, um, coming to faith. Uh, but, yeah, my wife and I, we really... We really kept on asking the question, what is the most effective way of seeing people who are broken and who are lost coming into the kingdom of God? Yeah. yeah. So we were, although we were seeing um, discipleship happen in a real life-on-life uh, -life way, as much as we could with the youth, we weren't seeing the whole household mm -hmm. being saved. So it was very much the kids would come into this kingdom culture, fall in love with Jesus, you know, be baptised, um, and then it would quite often just fall away, um, especially once they were too old to go to youth group. Um, or family members would start getting a little bit suspicious that, you know, their baby girl or their, their son has changed so much, now they want to get baptised and now they're, you know, they've changed, they're different, and it's, yeah, it's kind of that whole extraction model happening, all your worst nightmares, you know, yeah. <laughs> where you're finding this one person coming to you and gathering with you and your youth group, but they've left behind all their nearest and dearest. Yeah. And um, we just we just knew there had to be a better way. And so, you know, you read the book of Acts, for example, and we're looking at this and going, we're not seeing this. Like, Yeah, we're not seeing households. How, how do we time. see, how do we see? see God move so powerfully? How do we see, um, yeah, the church operating in this way? Like there's something missing, you know. As good as it was, there was still something missing. So, yeah, Pastor, and we kept on getting more restless. Um, we we then had a, a dog who actually went missing in the mangroves and we, we were wrestling with the fact we're not going to find this dog. What are we going to do? We actually spent... The rest, got three days, I think it was, or four days, trying to find this dog, walking through croc-infested mangroves um, late at night, trying to trying to actually paint with spray paint the mangroves so we knew how to get back, otherwise we would get lost as well. Um, and then one day, one day, the last day, before we found our dog, God spoke to both Melissa and I separately and said, um, you're spending so much time, so much effort and money trying to find a lost dog. How much more greater is a lost soul? And we both looked at each other and, and we thought we, we actually need to be more intentional. So how can we be more intentional instead of um, running these youth groups? Um, so being more intentional about reaching families, reaching people uh, like groups of people um, yeah. rather than just that, that that individual. So we went along, um, we kept on, we kept on, 
running these youth groups. But then we were invited by the pastor who we did this church plant with down to a gathering in Melbourne. And it was actually to see Dave Watson uh, speaking down there for a week. And, yeah, the, the pastor actually told me, you need to read this book before you go down there because he's written it and he's going to be um, talking about some of the subject matter that, that is in the book. And I'm not a reader, so it took me, um, yeah, a couple of weeks to read this book. I actually read it that night before the conference as well, finished off. Um, but we just had so many paradigm shifts in that week-long um, gathering that we decided, well, when we get back um, to our city, let's try this. Let's, you know, it can't hurt trying it, so let's just try it. So I just went to my workplace where I was working and I said, I actually, there's this guy who had a niece who was dying um, of uh, flesh-eating uh, bacteria and he came to me and he was sobbing and he just said, I, I need, you know, I need something to change because this, this girl that I love is going to die. The doctor said she's only got a day or two to live. And I said to him, can we pray? Can you and I both pray together? So we prayed together. Um, and the next day he came back to me and he said, you know, she's changed. She's actually, she's getting better. They're talking about uh, releasing her in a couple of days. And last night they were talking about, you know, her dying. And um, I just suggested to him, do you want to find out more about who this God is we are speaking to? And uh, he said, yeah, I'd love to. So we, that Lunchtime, we gathered. We gathered out in the lunchroom, um, and we. I put another chair out, and I said to the guy, "Let's just read the word." Let's, which was a discovery group, but we actually just talked about you know what was going on in our lives, and and then we actually did a discovery group. Um, and another guy walked past who was part of our workplace and said, "What are you guys up to?" And I said, we're reading the Bible, mate, and we're just trying to, you know, trying to obey it. And he said, oh, I haven't read the Bible. Can I join in? And um, that group then grew from three to about ten guys gathering around the Word of God. And I thought this was in a few weeks. And I'm like, God, this this does work. It's pretty obvious it does work. Um, how can we implement it in what we're doing um, through God's calling in our life? So that's that's pretty well where we started or I started and I shared it with Mel and we actually we shifted gears in our mind thinking that we need to grab grab these adults, these people who were key um, leaders or, yeah, they were actually the, the family heads, actually try and get them to do groups within their households and and. That's where it started, yeah. Well, they found out which was the best fish and chips shop in Townsville. <laughs> that was part of the bargain. It was always going to include food, which I think is a must for discovery groups. <laughs> but after that, um, yeah, we just started praying our hearts out, um, really crying out to God. Uh, we'd stand up on hilltops um, in various places we uh, would pray whatever it takes, God. What's it going to take to see a movement catalyzed in this town? Um, and we basically left our jobs behind, um, kind of, as much as we could, and 
got out of our beautiful big house that we just built and moved into a caravan and decided if God's calling us to do this throughout North Queensland, then we need to hit the road and we need to pray through as much of the area as we can, being led by the Spirit without having a tight schedule. Just let's God let God um, take us wherever He wants to take us, and we'll homeschool our son. And let's just you know let's do this. We're all in. So that's what happened next. So there was a lot of praying, a lot of meeting new people, seeing amazing answers to prayer. One of the cool stories that I'll never forget was when we went for a road trip up Cape York. Um, we thought, let's just pack the camping trailer, jump in the car and go and see what happens. We had a bunch of people praying in the background um, for this trip. I remember um, we got up pretty high, probably two-thirds of the way up Cape York, stopped in a caravan park and then um, saw that there was an Indigenous community not far away. So... We got in the car, we drove into the community, not knowing anyone at all, um, totally cold turkey. We didn't need a permit to go into this one. You can just drive in. Um, And we just drove all the way to the water's edge. And this prayer just bubbled up within us, even like our son in the backseat. All three of us were just praying, God, would you just come in a way that these people can hear you, maybe for the first time properly, like, would you come in dreams and visions? Would you come in, in a way that is in their heart language, that they they really encounter you for the first time, you know? And um, we're just praying for these things and then we were like, okay, well, let's head back and cut a long story short, uh, we bumped into somebody. Uh, and a, a couple of weeks later. And uh, she told me, she said, I haven't told anyone this yet, but you know how you've been talking about God? She said, I was down by the water's edge a few weeks ago. I was just sitting there and I saw a vision of Jesus. She said, up in the clouds, it was Jesus. And she said, I can't believe my eyes. I went to grab my phone to take a photo, but it disappeared in that instant. And I went chasing. I went, oh, maybe it's he's moved behind that tree. So went behind the tree, went behind the pole, and was gone. And um, one of the elders who I was talking with during that conversation said, what do you think that means? And she said, I don't know. I don't know what that means. And the elder said, maybe God's saying it's your time. You need to come to him. And, um, and I said, if we could get some scriptures together, would you sit down and read that with your household? Would you would you be interested in discovering who God is as a household? And our eyes just lit up. Yes. So it's like moments like that that you go, wow, like God is just so quick to be there in that in that broken place, in yeah. that in that place where people are ready to come to know him. Mm-hmm. So that's been amazing. But the yeah. yeah, but interestingly enough, that was the same time that Melissa, my, myself, and my my son were at that foreshore praying. It's exactly the same yeah. time that she received that vision. Uh, yeah, a bit further south from where we are, we've got some amazing friends who also um, love the Lord, just really want to get into the harvest, um, and they started asking us about what we did. Um, we met them because we just went down there to pray. 
for that region and they joined in by word of mouth. And uh, so they asked us a bit about how we disciple, what discovery groups look like, that sort of thing. So we've done a little bit of very informal training, just basically just having a good chat over meals with them. So they, they picked it up and ran with it. And um, they're involved in a lot of different spheres. So there's a few affinity groups there. There's medical groups, there's um, homeschooling groups and um, local uh, community gardens, um, artist groups. It's just a really amazing family, beautiful people. And um, and they have met um, some people in the new age spheres as well. So they've got um, people who... Um, maybe were really resistant to God, but it was clear that they were seeking him. And um, one of the families that they reached, who we've come to know, absolutely beautiful, they were having a really hard time because they had been dabbling in the occult and there was some paranormal stuff going on. So there was um, demonic activity in the house. It was just out of control. Um, One of them yelled out, Jesus, help! And then everything just dropped that was flying around the room. And they looked at each other, this husband and wife, looked at each other and went, we got to find out who this Jesus is. And so they were talking with people. They were being led up the garden path by some real weirdos who called themselves Christians. But God then ordained this amazing meeting with the friends that we'd done this informal training with. And um, and my friend just said to them, hey, do you want to read the Bible with me? Like, I can come to you. Let's go sit on your front veranda and let's just read the Bible together and, and really find out who God is. So it's not secondhand information. You can actually find out for yourself straight from him. And um, so they started this group and the household came to know the Lord and um, and were later baptized that was baptism I've ever seen isn't it it was just a huge celebration in a creek so now these people are multiplying they're reaching their workmates they're reaching other new ages who are broken and lost just like they were yeah and they're running a group as well so yeah we really transitioned from um you know, all these rosters in the church, um, you know, all these programs, all these events being so busy and tied down by all of these, they were good things. Yeah. But we didn't have any time to really get into the harvest the way we wanted to get into the harvest. So the focus shifted from programs to really people of peace. Um, So let's just put all of our energy and time into these people that God's prepared to see one disciple become many more mm. um, because if we just keep trying to do one-on-one discipleship, we're not going to see that many people come into the kingdom. We we were travelling probably for about a year um, around all of North Queensland trying to find this person, elusive. that uh, elusive person of peace, <laughs> which, uh, which we found one in my workplace, which uh, – which was pretty obvious, but um, out in the harvest around these towns and communities, it was it was hard. Um, and we came back to our block with the caravan after a year and we just prayed to God. I think we spent a month there just praying to God, just, God, we cannot do this without you. We need you to be centre of everything that we do. 
we need you to bring these people of peace into our lives, um, to cross paths with us, however you want to do it. So while we were praying, our person of peace came to us, um, which was just, yeah, really out of the, we found that out of the ordinary. Um, so we we just invested in this person. So this person of peace was very open, very hungry, and we and she wanted to reach her community. Um, she was sharing. Yeah, so uh, we invested massively in her um, to reach a whole heap. She actually um, reached um, a whole heap of her family, uh, her companies, um, families as well. She just started groups like Wildfire. Um, so we actually invested in her by showing her how to do it, um, discovery groups, and she just ran with it. And um, Melissa mentored her quite closely for, well, she's still mentoring her. But, yeah, right at the beginning it was really close, um, keeping um, tabs on who she was meeting, praying with her, investing time in her. I think it's interesting with um, People of Peace, it's just so easy compared to when you're trying to find someone and you're hoping they are, you're hoping they are, and it feels like you're doing all the chasing, whereas it's like the reverse. It's really mutual. It's probably not quite the opposite or the reverse. It's, It's mutual. They're chasing you and you're very gladly investing in them as well. So, um, yeah, I just think quite often God brings them to us. But if we're not out there intentionally looking and praying for those opportunities, we would have missed it for sure. Um, Another example was um, we were flooded in our um, the shed that we had all our belongings in while we were in the caravan full time and we were trying to build uh, like a bit of a bathroom on the outside of the shed. It just took ages to find traders who were available and could do the job. Um, so we're really praying. And eventually we're like, why is this taking so long? This is ridiculous. And we're like, oh, maybe we need to just wait on God because maybe the person who's coming, it's like a God-ordained meeting with them. And sure enough, um, this tradie turned up and he um, just asked Steve, while he was doing, uh, I think it was his first day there, yeah. just asked Steve, what are you guys doing? Because it looks really odd. You know, this young family living in a caravan, um, kind of attached to a shed while they're in town and they're not doing it for money. Like there's something going on here. So, yeah, so just asked Steve, what do you do? And Steve just explained a little bit, oh, we help people discover who God is. And, um, you know, we do this with God's called us to travel around and, and um, yeah, just help people discover who he is in their own context. And and he got really, really interested. And straight away he was like, how can I do that too? Because he had a faith background. And he had a faith background, but he's he wasn't going to any church or any gatherings or anything like that. So, yeah. yeah. And so Steve just said, just gather some mates. Let's meet at Macca's. And um, for breakfast, because that's what a lot of, you know, tradies love having a coffee before they start their work. So that's what happened. And a, a group was birthed there that has since had a few generations come out of that. So some of the people drop off, some of the people stay there. But it's just amazing to see how God can bring pe- people to us 
um, when we just released that frustration and released that, I guess, wasn't really a controlling attitude of we need to find these people. I think um, we were desperate to find people because we had dropped everything and had all the paradigm shifts to want to catalyze movement, but we weren't seeing anything come from it and we were so frustrated. Yeah. So it was God was doing through the frustration that lasted at least a year. Oh, it was character building stuff for sure. So it, you know, and I'm glad we went through that because everyone else who wants to go on the journey of seeing disciple making movements catalyzed and birthed. Um, I'm gonna feel frustrated at times, and it's so good to be able to say I totally get it. Like I totally get that feeling. I get that headspace. So it was really good for us to be able to go. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit. We're here for the ride, and we're available, and we're ready to go. But we cannot force this to happen. It's not a magic formula. There's no, you know, you do this, this, and this, and you'll get movement. If God's not in it, he's not in it and it won't happen. So it was real character building, kind of stripping away of, I guess, layers of how we've always done things or perceived the way things should be done yeah. or things should happen, <clears throat> even our expectations of God himself. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was a real steep learning curve. But it was really, it was a steep learning curve but it was needed because once we found that person of peace, it is so much easier to find another person of peace because we know what we're looking for. Once you've seen one person of peace, you'll you if another person of peace comes across your path, you will identify them very quickly. Yeah, so that was, I think that character building helped us in what we're doing today because um, yeah, there are so many people of peace out there, but you just don't realise who they are uh, until you find that one and you recognise them. Mm, yeah. So the first time we met with her, this lady's already got a faith background, um, but she was really interested in mission. So we sat down at a cafe, we got a napkin out, and we basically drew a diagram of her in the middle And then we said, you know, this is a traditional way that we do church. We've got all these other people that we're connected to. It looks a little bit like a mind map. And we said, traditionally what we do is we find someone who might be interested in Jesus and we drag them back into our inner circle. Might look like, you know, our um, Sunday service gathering or whatever that might look like. Might just be a one-on-one discipleship course. Traditionally, that's what we do. But this is entirely different. We're going to try and do what Jesus did and what the apostles did in the New Testament. So they actually went out of their circle to find these people and then they discipled them right there in their context to disciple those around them. And from there, these groups have all the right DNA to become church. And so we just really cast that vision of instead of a come mentality it's a go mentality and you don't have to be an expert you don't have to go to bible college and have all these qualifications you don't have to have the title pastor to be able to do this work this is for everybody every disciple can be a disciple maker 
and just really cast vision about how simple it is. Um, and so the next step, um, I'm at her place and um, she'd already gathered some people and I just modelled discovery group to her, showed her how simple it was. And I said, um, next time you, you guys will be facilitating. I'm going to step back. So straight away it was put into her hands that she's totally capable of doing this. Um, there's such a huge vision for her and the calling God's got on her life. What's she typically going to do in a discovery group? Um, basically it's it's just those key principles. So the first thing is what are we all grateful for and everybody's sharing what they're grateful for. What struggles do we have in the group? Everybody's sharing a struggle that they have. And then, you know, all right, well, can we help each other out here? Is there anything we can do as a team mm-hmm. to help each other out? Or maybe, you know, sometimes that group came up with people who were struggling in a completely different country, a completely different continent on the world. And so they would raise some funds and send money that way. So it's just that real mentality of help each other but look out. Yeah. And then they would talk about... Well, before that, they'd actually pray for each other throughout, you know, thanking God for the grateful things that yeah. they were grateful for and also praying for their needs, the things that they were struggling struggling with within the group and, yeah. and asking God to show them um, how to uh, help each other. That would depend, though, if it was who was in the group. Yeah. If it was people um, like they were working with Buddhists, um, from the harvest, they wouldn't straight away go to prayer. Yeah. They'd go slower with them. So, but they'd talk about what are we grateful for? What's our struggles? How do we help each other? And then they'd look at, well, since what we did last week, how do we go with the goals that we set? And then they'd have a talk about that and keep each other encouraged, you know, to keep going hard with what they were learning. And then they'd do the actual um, discovery Bible study. So we'd have scripture lists that we'd feed to her and, and she would read the story with these other ladies that read it a few, a few times. Um, a lot of them actually wrote it out beforehand in a three-column study and then they would talk about what's it teach us about God, what's this teach us about people, and then those last two crucial questions. If this is true, how am I going to obey this? What's a goal that I can set, you know, to live this out? And then that last question, who can I share this with? So they'd name people and they would, yeah, basically commission each other. Um, if, you know, if they'd gone down that journey, if they're a bit and they were praying as a group together, then they would be praying for the people they're naming as well. So that's basically the discovery group. In a nutshell, I mean, you get a bunch of ladies who aren't too restricted by time, and this usually blows out to three hours because they're just enjoying it so much. <laughs> and involve men, food and that actually tight. Yeah, yeah. Out. But yeah. the men, of course, are far more restricted in that particular group of people and um, because of their work hours are so enormous that a lot of the men could um, do a discovery group within an hour and a half quite comfortably. So, But once yeah. again, those men would also very intentionally do a three-column study before they came along to the group. So they're very yeah, passionate about um, looking at the word and seeing what the word was saying to them individually yeah. and then living it out the next week. So, Yeah, that particular stream of people that came out of that initial person of peace that I've just heard it over and over again, um, that a lot of them knew 
this stuff in their heads, but now they had it in their heart. There was a huge transformation that took place and families were connecting together beautifully. They were talking again. Um, There was, you know, gossip would be shut down and relationships healed. People were being spoken up for who were kind of cast in the corner earlier. Um, It's just it was just beautiful. Yeah, they were so, reaching all different faith backgrounds as well. Yeah, um, yeah, from Buddhists to yep. atheists to get everyone. So it was really just awesome to see. Yep. And now they're at the stage where they want to come together once a month um, to celebrate what's all happening. The all the groups together. coming together. So it's really, really awesome to see that um, that full. Um, stage of these groups happening, they're still happening, but then that celebration as well amongst the whole whole group of them, which yeah, brings a tribe mentality, it brings a an ownership to what they're doing. Yeah, a wider sense of belonging, and it doesn't revolve around Stephen and I at all. Yeah, mm. because actually they speak another language, most of them. So yeah. it's it's great to see them just equipped and going for it. Uh, yeah, we have a a vision to reach Papua New Guinea because. Um, that's where I grew up, and um, I went back there in 2019 and just shared, just just didn't tell them I was showing up. I just went to the villages where I grew up, and I just went from village to village to village, just um, talking with some of my friends that I had who were young, who are now older, same age as me, about, you know, their relationship with God and, and what it looks like and just sharing this discovery group model with them. And, um, yeah, they're, they're just really on fire at the moment. They're, they're start, they started with one group of 47 people who were from the harvest, all of them. Um, they just wanted to get to know God. And we know Papua New Guinea as a Christian nation, but these guys, they were far from Christian. They were uh, on drugs, alcoholics. All like the, witchcraft. witchcraft, they're all over the place. But the, it started with this this group of men, um, which just were hungry for the gospel. And the church didn't have like the church that, as we know it, didn't have um, uh, the vision to reach these guys, uh, which was pretty sad in that in that setting. Um, but these guys just got around the word of God and they just they just grew massively in that short period of time. Before I came back to Australia, after a month being in there, um, they had actually uh, formed also groups outside of that one central group. Second gen. So second gen groups. They had another 47 second gen groups um, outside of that first group. Um, and now they've gone to a third gen group outside of the second gen group. So they're they're just they're popping as well. So the vision for PNG is is huge. We we want to see a saturation within this um, province, um, but yeah, also throughout other regions within Papua New Guinea and the islands. So roughly, how many groups? have you seen that have started and and kept going? So at the moment we're estimating around about 30 or above groups that are are going um, and are vibrant. So um, what we're seeing... um, Some are big, some are small, but they're still a group. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 
we're actually seeing uh, areas from all the way down um, in the southern part of North Queensland all the way to the tip of the Cape. Like groups are just forming everywhere across North Queensland, yeah, which is really cool, yeah. But the dream is just to live a radical life for the kingdom of God and to see as many people as possible who are lost come to know Jesus and have that real encounter with him that is life-changing. That's that's my vision. And I think the most effective way to do that that we've found is through disciple-making movements. It is a strategy, but it's founded on those core values and those that, that core vision of the Great Commission. So that would be that would be it. And and yes, we're working in North Queensland and Papua New Guinea and looking out to the Pacific Islands, but our heart is for the world. It's not just our own backyard. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the Movements podcast, why don't you spread the word on social media or leave a review wherever you get your podcast. This is Steve Addison for the Movements podcast.